Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast here at the Athletic Toronto. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as usual, Eric Green. Eric, how are you? Just sad that I'm no longer a special guest. You're not a special guest. You've been on every week except for one. Yeah, I'm just what's expected. Yeah, I mean, I I may as well just call you my co-host at this point, but I don't, you know, fear of commitment. Yeah, no, tell me about it. I don't know if you know that game or not, but... No, I'm familiar. Yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm, I'm hanging in there, just uh, hoping we can uh, get to the playoffs, and I assume we will in eight days or 11 days. or 11 not days. Even to, not even get to the playoffs, just get to the end of the regular season. Just make it. Just survive. Yeah. Yeah. As I as I've grown to say to you often, uh, I'm glad things aren't worse, Eric. Things don't have to be good, but I, I'm glad they're not worse. Uh, things are manageable. Yeah. Uh, for the Toronto Raptors, things are, to be honest, a little boring right now. Uh, they've won eight of nine. It's been mostly against, uh, you know, iffy competition, but seven of those games were at least against teams fighting for their playoff lives. Uh, so they've faced bad hungry competition instead of bad competition uh, folding it up for the most part, um, the 76ers uh, aside, they will not really play a ton of great competition from here. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, they'll be in Indiana. Indiana's tied for the final playoff spot in the East, so even though the Raptors have uh, taken care of them twice in the last 17 days, Indiana should be hungry in that one. And then Detroit, who are more or less out of the playoff picture, two games out but with multiple teams to jump on Wednesday. Uh, The Raptors will then return home to play Miami on Friday, visit the Knicks Sunday afternoon, and then close it out against Cleveland uh, on Wednesday the 12th in a game that may or may not have huge seeding implications. And obviously, Eric, we're uh, looking ahead to Kareem's conundrum. Is that what... It's, uh... almost un- it's almost unavoidable at this point. Like, it's, let's just write it in stone. It will happen. All right. So that game on the 12th will not mean- matter, but it'll it'll matter in terms of, you know, do you want to win and get the bad situation or do you want to lose and get the bad situation? Yeah, that's my jam. That's a good, uh, you know, that's a good description of just mental health in general. Do you want to do the right <laughs> things and feel bad about it, or do you want to do the wrong things and feel bad about it? Yeah, um, it's very, very exciting. I'm very excited for, you know, when it becomes clear. I haven't checked the schedule before Wednesday whether it would become clear on Monday or Tuesday that that will be the case. For those who haven't been following along loyally. Uh, I have developed a scenario, an unavoidable scenario in my brain, in which the Raptors, if the goal is to avoid Cleveland in the second round, the Raptors will need Cleveland to win on the final game of the season, the Wednesday against the Raptors, to clinch first. But then the Raptors will need to win to clinch third, thus guaranteeing that whatever happens, the Raptors and the Cavs will match up in the second round. Uh, and it's going to happen, so let's just not act surprised when we get there. The other wrinkle to that is that if you even even if you assume Toronto Cleveland will happen in the second round, regardless in that outcome, uh, you know you could then occasionally make, in some years make a case. Well, the Raptors should lose, so they draw this team in the four five matchup, or win, so they draw this team in the three six. Unfortunately, right now three games separate fifth and ninth. Uh, only four games separate fifth and tenth. 
Uh, one game separates fifth and sixth, and sixth and seventh, and seventh and eighth. So as of right now, they'll know they'll have a better idea on the final day of the season. But as of right now, the Raptors have no idea for first round or second round whether the third seed or the fourth seed would be preferable. Uh, we'll talk potential first round matchups a little later. But let's, base- just, let's just say I've booked hotels in Milwaukee, Atlanta, and Chicago, and I might move on to Miami later today. All right, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's, that's an interesting approach. Um, but what, So what all of this has kind of conspired to do is that while it's awesome that the Raptors are playing well uh, without Kyle Lowry, that their defense is you know steady for the most part, they're still third since the All-Star break, even with a couple recent blips uh, and eighth overall. Um, but none of these games, like it, it matters that the Raptors play well. It matters that they don't find themselves uh, falling into bad habits. It matters that they're staying mostly healthy and getting healthier. Uh, P.J. Tucker's kind of sore knee aside. Uh, but these wins don't really matter. We don't know yet if they'll matter or if they may even be Pyrrhic victories where, you know, this hot close to the season ends up costing them a, a worse playoff matchup. So each individual game, I don't, it, it's, it hasn't been hard to get up for because the Raptors are playing well. Watching DeMar DeRozan right now is such a treat. Uh, but the games don't have a lot of meaning. Have you found yourself kind of, you know, not going through the motions, but have you fell into the malaise that we were a little worried the Raptors might fall into? Well, I wouldn't say I'm happy on the farm because I'm not happy. Would you say you're <laughs> fat and sassy? Uh, I don't think that's an accurate uh, description, but malaise is fair. Like, I, this past week, not, I mean, I'm a sports writer, so all of this, you know, what's to follow comes with the knowledge that I'm a sports writer and I have a job that, as SB Nation's John Boyce has said frequently, we're just lucky to have exist and sports writers should never complain about anything. Uh, which is funny because sort of like being a sports writer, one of the key uh, attributes is the ability to complain. Anyway, um, it was tough to be as into the individual games this week as I, as maybe weeks prior, the one against Chicago, um, you know, standing out as maybe the last game that really, really captured my imagination. And it's just because we sort of established what the Raptors can be like without Kyle Lowry. Like they're, they're doing what they're doing. It's really impressive. And there's a ceiling on that, and it probably stops in the second round, you figure. Uh, but if they get Kyle Lowry back, which will happen maybe at some point, probably, uh, then that changes the equation. And we're all sort of just waiting on that, and games against, you know, even the loss to Charlotte, it was... It was funny watching Dwayne Casey being irate after the win, the 19-point win over Orlando, and then being sort of, eh, whatever, after the loss to Charlotte. And that's how I sort of feel, because uh, the individual games themselves, uh, for now, have sort of lost, beyond sort of the very intricate, small stuff, have lost big-picture meaning. Um, and even if you're obsessed with seeding, as we mentioned... We don't really know what all this winning and losing means. Is it good? Is it bad? Who knows? Yeah, obviously the winning is preferable to losing in the, the grander scheme. But yeah, you're evaluating this team right now on a lot of qualitative stuff that would be the same whether they win or lose, especially in close games. 
Um, that's going to change as Kyle Lowry comes back. By the way, um, there are some people, I, I've seen occasional comments that uh, the Raptors have to win because, you know, they squandered this opportunity to finish first or second in the East. Those are crimes of January. They're not crimes of this team right now, and you really couldn't have asked for more than 15-6 and six with Kyle Lowry on the shelf. So, um, what different does team. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, I mean, people, like, people have, I've seen comments that, like, they have to be playing this well because they squandered the opportunity because, um, you know, 56 wins would have them wrapped up the East right now. Yeah, it's already squandered. Who cares? Yes, some cost. And it's a different team. Yes. Anyway, you mentioned and Kyle Lowry. As, as we pointed out, without that squandering, maybe P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka aren't here, yes. right? which is I'd rather have squandered it with P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka now in the fold, I think. Yeah, anyway, uh, we, we can't predict alternate timelines, although I was a fan of Fringe Season 3. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. This, is Fringe Joshua Jackson? Joshua Jackson, um, yes. Uh, but the real star, oh, I'm going to forget his name. Something Noble. John Noble. He's an Australian actor. I don't know if it's John Noble, uh, but he plays sort of the mad scientist and Joshua Jackson's father. And he is, uh, I'm going to search this while, while you talk about things. Um, Um, okay. You, you search fringe stuff. We'll come back to this. Maybe probably not. Um, John Noble. John Noble. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> He's great and fringe. Worth the price of uh, whatever it costs you to to get by the first season, which is more like let's be, you know, X-Files stories of the week and really get into the second and third and fourth seasons, which are some compelling sci-fi mystery drama type hybrid. Anyway. Not, not my jam. Well, you're missing out, man. All right. Missing out on that. Missing out on the Americans. Basically, I, I've only watched basketball, Riverdale, and wrestling for the last, uh, mm. since whenever the NBA season started. So. And to that guy who didn't want us to talk about wrestling, uh, Eric, let's break down the WrestleMania card. Well, I was doing my job. So, uh, Eddie, you want to, let's keep it to 90 seconds. You have any, you have any quick hit thoughts? It was fine. Uh, I still worked the game from home, the Raptors game. So well, I had the first half. Oh, you can't of- take a day off. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I had the re- I had WrestleMania on like in the background, or actually, I was at my brother's house and they were watching, and I had headphones in watching the Raptor game. So I only half watched like half of it, and then the last half was fine. Um, rest in peace, Undertaker. And yeah. uh, you know, shout out to that guy who didn't want us to talk wrestling. Big <laughs> wrestling fan, also Kyle Lowry. That's that. That remains to be seen. Yeah, that's... well, he did tell me that he was a wrestling fan prior, but mostly he was just a fan of The Rock. So when The Rock went, uh, Kyle Lowry's fandom lapsed. Yeah, understandable, you know. Uh, it's charisma unlike any other, uh, Rocky Maivia. Speaking of charisma and, uh, you know, being a heel, Kyle Lowry spoke to the media on <laughs> Monday uh, following his partial participation in a partial practice uh, Kyle Lowry underwent surgery on his right wrist to remove loose bodies on February 28th. Uh, today, Tuesday, April 4th, marks five weeks from the date of that surgery. Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical had originally reported that there was hope Lowry could be back within four to five weeks. Um, so we're now out of the optimistic scenario. Kyle Lowry will not play tonight in Indiana. We're now out of the optimistic scenario. Lowry revealed Monday uh, his timeline from the doctor was four to six weeks, which would give him 
you know, until this time next week, which would mean one game to get into. Uh, the fact that he has... Uh, been shooting for a couple days now. That Dwayne Casey said he didn't need to get a full practice session in before the team would be comfortable playing. The fact that he got a partial session in Monday. Uh, before we talk about Lowry's actual interview with the media, Eric, uh, thoughts on when Lowry may come back? I know we kicked around April 5th and April 7th between the two of us as potential return dates. Uh, it looks to me like the 7th, like Friday is maybe the target. Um, I'm sure they have an internal target. I would still be inclined to bet later versus earlier. Uh, and that's based on sort of what Lowry had said. He said he hadn't, you know, gone through a full shooting workout yet where, you know, where you're pumping three pointers. And that is like a relatively basic thing that you have to know. I mean, obviously in an NBA game, you're not shooting 53 pointers in a row, but typically that is something you would do before coming back to, uh, NBA action after having wrist surgery. Clearly, you've never watched Jordan Crawford play. Um, I have once or twice. Yeah. It's then, unple- it's unpleasant. Then you might fire up those kind of threes. Um, yeah, but so that's that's um you know the biggest sticking point is that repeated flexion and extension of the wrist. Uh, Lowry said Monday there's still a little bit of soreness there. Yeah, there's that too. You know, like I I don't know if he's waiting for it to get to like total like just feeling perfectly normal uh i don't even know if that's realistic because both he and Dwayne casey were sort of evasive when the media pushed for details uh and that's understandable it's frustrating i guess here's a hot take for you eric yeah kyle lowry was full of it and was just saying whatever like kyle lowry is not going to be up front about it i don't believe anything he said um like i'm not i'm not saying he was lying but like the the whole i haven't gone through a full workout and being coy about what he did and didn't do and stuff like that i'm not i'm not saying he's not telling the truth but i'm not inclined to believe anything that you know you're trying the media we're all trying to bleed uh something from this stone and he's giving these tiny little non-details i'm not particularly inclined to believe he's being forthright with information i think when he said he was bored i believed him yes (laughs) um yeah like it would not surprise me if lowry actually had gone through full shooting workouts and he was just taking the piss out of us yeah that'd be hilarious (laughs) um can i I ask you a question this is maybe not within the scope of of this podcast and i don't want to be negative about a guy who is a very very good basketball player and probably this team's most important player uh, are we kind of past the point where this Lowry anti-media shtick makes sense? Like, the Toronto media has been glowing about Lowry for a couple of seasons now. I don't really get the chip on the shoulder anymore. Yeah, um, I think he kind of just doesn't like doing it. <laughs> like, it's, I don't even know if it's a reflection on the Toronto media specifically he sort well, he of ha- he has said in the past that Holly's the only one he wants to talk to because Holly's the only one who writes positive things which is you know Holly's awesome but she's not the only one who writes positive things about Kyle Lowry yeah well um also Holly's just nicer to deal with on a one-to-one basis than we are oh yeah of course to be fair yeah that's not even a question <laughs> um I, I you know I'm it's hard for me to get out of my own position here. Like, obviously I wish Kyle were DeMar and I could like after a scrum, go ask him about a specific play and not get like 
an eye roll from him, that would be preferable. I don't really understand what he gets out of it, except for some spare time, because we're all sort of discouraged from making conversation with him, uh, because, you know, he's not into it. What's uh, weird is that well, I remember well, back... not be into it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, on a professional level, I begrudge him, but on a personal level, when I don't like doing things that are part of my job, I do my best to minimize the impact on my life that they have, you know? Like, yeah, uh, I, I'm okay with that in general. I just think the whole, like, the, I, I understand not liking the media and the media requirements, but the, the, a small part of that that is still him thinking that the coverage is negative is like that that's i mean that's pretty outdated at this point yeah i'm not even sure i think it might not be as complex as that and if anything that's a reaction to years ago as yeah. you say i mean i think now will will some people I don't run out of town i don't need every column and there are some members of the toronto media who have certainly been harsher toward Lowry than others, and a lot of that stems, I mean, I, this is, it's not my information, but I would guess a lot of it stems from how he sort of came in here in the first place, uh, and I think, again, that's, you know, him viewing this as a stopover, which he has said, you know, like in, in an interview with, I forget who, whether it was Wojnarowski or, or, somebody else he, he said he viewed toronto as a stopover and i think that's how he behaved in his first year and it rubbed some people the wrong way and uh people when they have a point to make generally like to talk uh so maybe those negative points of view that lowry is remembering if not seeing on a daily basis anymore because if, if you've watched him over since the Raptors have gone good like how could you think this guy is anything else but like the beating heart and the soul of this team giving like an absurd amount of himself considering his size uh to the Raptors uh how could you think he's anything but that guy but you know words spoken years ago, negative words perhaps, last longer. And uh, I'm sure Lowry, who's gotten used to having grudges and having a chip on his shoulder, uh, he sort of got where he was by having that. And maybe forgetting that completely uh, lightens that chip, and that's not a good thing. Anyway, this is armchair psychology. Uh, and I, I doubt it's even that complicated. I think Kyle Lowry just doesn't like dealing with the media. That's fair. Uh, Kyle Lowry dealing with the media, though, uh, he's going to be active soon, and that's going to have to be a thing. Uh, the Raptors, I'm, we've talked about this before, there's not really a concern about him getting back and getting a chemistry. You know, I, did, I wrote a piece for The Athletic last week about um, comparable wrist surgeries and how guys have come back. The sample was small and, you know, not... A lot of guys have had midseason surgery to remove loose bodies, uh, but you look at similar surgeries and similar players, and some guys come back and are hot right away. Others come back and they're cold. Um, from a chemistry standpoint, Abaka and Tucker are guys who are veterans. They're experienced. There shouldn't be a large adjustment period. Kyle Lowry, you know, tactically is one of the easier player types to play with and to work back into a rotation. Uh, so not a lot there. 
to be too concerned about as long as he gets in a game or two. Let's talk about, um, I don't know, what do you, where do you want to go first? Do you want to talk about what Lowry's return means to this team's ceiling and whether Cleveland's weak, or do you want to just look at the first round because let's not get too ahead of things? Um, I think we can do both of those things, sort of in one. I, I think with Lowry healthy, and I mean, let's remember, this is a guy who hasn't shot the lights out in his previous playoff experiences. Surely uh, I don't remember what you're talking about. Yeah. So, but even if he's back and shooting not up to his standard, that's not unfamiliar to Raptors playoff equations uh, of years past. And we would still have to concede that that version of the Raptors, because of everything Lowry does, is a much better version than the one without him. Uh, and... You know, I, I posed a question. I guess I do want to go to the Cavs first. I posed a question on Twitter, and, you know, it's sort of biased because I'm followed by, you know, predominantly Toronto-based or fans or Raptors fans or whatever. But, you know, who would you take in the Eastern Conference right now, the Cavs or the field? And it was basically 50-50. Um, I'd still bet on LeBron, like, if I had to pick one team. That wasn't the question, of course, but, you know, a team that's playing this sort of defense is potentially susceptible. I still think they have another gear. I think they'll come out of the East, but I don't think there's a team better suited to push them to six or seven legitimate games in a series in the East than the Raptors. Yeah, that's a... That makes sense. So, I mean, Lowry's, ceil- Lowry's health kind of dictates the ceiling. You mentioned Cleveland is a little um, vulnerable. This is probably the most open the window's been since pre-Miami LeBron. Would you agree with that? Uh, who came out of the – Boston came out of the East in 2010? I believe yeah. so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the early heat were pushed, of course. Yeah, Utah. but they made the finals every year. Yes, um, but that's – and they might make the finals again this year. They so, probably like, I, will make the finals again this year. So I'm just sort of saying that even though they made the finals, I think you could have viewed those past times as being equally, not equally open, because usually there was one contender who you could see giving them a push. Like you would see Indiana, or you would see the Bulls, or you would see the last gasp of the KG Pierce, Allen, Celtics, um, Rondo as well, I should throw in there. Um, I think this year you have three teams who, given the right circumstances, could do that. So in that sense, it is more more open. The, the possibilities are more varied. But I don't necessarily think that the chance of them losing is necessarily greater than any of those other years before they reach the finals, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but hey, we gotta Raptors fans gotta talk themselves into it, right? Because I think it's a possibility. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm just, you know, I, I think they're first, and there's a pretty significant gap between. Uh, you know, I, I think I picked the Raptors second, but if I were to put percentage odds on it, I think there would be a gap yeah yeah if you could put percentage odds on a gap if that's a thing you could do listen (laughs) 
Okay, uh, let's take a step back. This time being a jerk. Pardon? You really want to spend this time being a jerk to me? I don't want to spend this time at all. <laughs> oh, great. That's, uh, <laughs> thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Um, okay, let's take a step back because it's not a certainty the Raptors will draw Cleveland, whether that's in the second or third round. Yeah. Toronto still has to win a playoff series, which, as and good as they've looked lately and as much as on paper they are definitely better than the teams that are seeded 5 through 11 right now, um, it's not a certainty. You have to play those games. And the Toronto Raptors have coughed up game one at home in, you know, what, four straight series where they've had home court with this core. Um, they have not right. always played their best basketball in the playoffs. And there are some teams oh, that... Sorry. What's that? You're right. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and there are some teams that pose varying degrees of threats in the first round. We have no idea who they're going to draw. Uh, but Milwaukee, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Indiana are still in the mix for a five or six seed. Uh, Charlotte and Detroit still technically in the mix for a playoff seed. I don't think they could catch up to five or six at this point. That's too many games with too few to go. Uh, so let's look at Milwaukee, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Indiana as potential first-round playoff opponents, Eric. Uh, who do you who do you want to avoid the most? Which of those teams do you think is the biggest threat to the Raptors? Um, Keeping in mind, well, the Raptors have beat the Bulls now. The curse is broken. Yeah, I'd probably say Milwaukee or Chicago are the biggest threats. I mean, tactically, it's certainly Milwaukee with all the long arms they can throw at Lowry and DeRozan. Uh, and then just psychologically, uh, it's the Bulls who have a cake schedule down the stretch and are emerging as a very real possibility for that sixth seed, I think. Um, Here's my counter about the Bucks. Yes, they have a lot of length. They throw a lot of traps at DeRozan and Lowry. Um, those have proven somewhat complicated in the past. Uh, getting Lowry back helps, and, and Lowry and DeRozan have you know, done well against the Bucks. last meeting aside. Um, those traps are a problem. That length's a problem. Jason Kidd's a problem. But I read this great piece at the Athletic Toronto the other day about how DeMar DeRozan kind of used the last meeting with Milwaukee uh, as a way, as kind of a, he didn't want teams to use that as a blueprint against him. And he, that's kind of been at the forefront of him without Lowry navigating all these traps better and improving as a playmaker. Uh, Eric, did you read this piece? Uh, no. Um... <laughs> Um, yes, I read it. Uh, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was something I'd wanted to ask him about for a while, like, especially over the past two weeks. Um, I think like even after the Milwaukee game, there was still evidence of like more teams doing that and him having trouble navigating it. And, uh, you know, Jamar sometimes will go with the line of questioning that you're going down. And uh, so I don't know how much thought he's actually put into it. I'd like to think he was being straight up with me. Uh, and I think he was, but I, I don't think like when that game happened that he was obsessing over it and thinking, Oh, now there's a blueprint and now I got to get rid of it. I think there's some sort of, you know, hindsight uh, revisionist history at play there. Um, but it's definitely something we've noticed that DeRozan approve upon um, as the the tenure without Lowry or the span without Lowry has lengthened. Uh, but speaking of length, the difference between these teams trapping Jamar and the Bucks doing it is length. Like they those traps or half traps or hard hedging, 
you know, they're tougher situations just because of the guys that the Bucks have to to eliminate or make those passing lanes smaller, I guess. So uh, I, I think he's grown exponentially since that game. But, you know, it's not like picking apart the Sixers or, or picking apart a different team that hasn't built its, you know, whole identity around long-armed humans. Uh, so I guess... Uh, that would be it'd be a really interesting series just for that to see, for that test case. Um, I'd be intrigued to see it, but as a I want the Raptors to advance uh, point of view. In that point of view, I they'd still probably uh, be last on my list. All right, I I don't disagree. Miami scares me a little bit just oh, because. Yeah. Yeah. Miami's so well coached and that Goran Dragic, Hassan Whiteside pick and roll is tough. James Johnson getting to play and be utilized in a playoff series against Dwayne Casey is, uh, you know, you want to talk about motivation. Um, what's weird here is that a couple weeks ago of this group, Atlanta looked to be the best team. And they've, they're they 2-8 in their last 10. They've slid to 6. It looks like they might slide further. Part of that was Paul Millsap and Kent Bazemore being hurt for a long stretch. They're back now. Um, does Atlanta, with a return to health, not scare you any longer is there enough evidence now like they they for a long time their record was outperforming their point differential they were the among the worst teams in a playoff spot by point differential which is usually a better indicator of future record um but they still have paul Millsap, and they have the dennis Schroeder, dwight howard pick and roll do the hawks give you any amount of pause i think all these teams do like i i you asked me who scares me the most and i gave you my answer but the you know, the Hawks have Howard, who, if Valanchunas isn't on his game, is going to be a problem. Uh, Valanchunas, your plus-minus stud of the week, courtesy of John <laughs> Schumann, plus 56 over four games. Um, yeah, totally sustainable. Uh, Shrewd, the, the pick-and-roll uh, is obviously effective, and if the Raptors' perimeter defense uh, takes a few nights off or if Kyle isn't as sharp, defensively coming back then that's a problem and Millsap is you know a great great player so they do give me pause but like the, every team on this on the list gives me pause like I think Dwayne Casey said one to eight nobody's really going to be pleased with their matchup uh yesterday or Monday I should say depending on when you're listening to this and I think uh I mean you can be relatively pleased but there's an element of truth there like the you know, I think the Bulls are probably the worst team who might make the playoffs, and yet Raptors fans would be scared to play them for. Jimmy you know. Butler's the guy. Yeah, uh, so I don't think you can really look. Uh, boring answer. I don't think you can really look past any of them. But it's unfortunate a little bit that the Raptors beat Indiana twice in the last 17 days and might do so a third time tonight because. Indiana's definitely the team in that group that I would like to draw the most. Yeah, no, I, I would say, like, uh, Indiana is first for me, and I guess Atlanta would be second. This is uh, why yesterday I messaged you and I said, you know, hot, hot uh, opinion, DeMar DeRozan will sit on Tuesday. And part of the reason was uh, if you were going to sit him, a back-to-back -back makes sense. 
there's no chance Lowry's playing in this game, so sit them together rather than sit DeRozan in a game where they could be getting chemistry back together. Um, and then also, in the back of my head, Indiana winning wouldn't be the worst thing for Toronto. Um, but they're probably not going to do that. There's no indication DeRozan's going to rest. There's no indication they would intentionally lose a game um, or even lessen their chances for some reason like that. Because, again, the seeding is so complicated and uncertain that it would probably backfire anyway. In the words of Jonas Valanciunas, you mess with that karma and shit happens. Yes. Is that the is that the best Jonas quote that we've had? Is that the most like philosophically apt thing Jonas Valanciunas has said in his five years here? On the record, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you think about past instances of that happening, and you know the Nets tried to play the Raptors and they got them and they won. So I'm not sure how accurate you know that is but i think there's there's something to be said for trying to win as many games as possible not being like ridiculous and playing damar 40 minutes a night and playing kyle you know 40 41 once he gets back uh to go all out for the wins but there's something to be said about trying to be on your P's and Q's and having, even though I don't believe in momentum necessarily heading into the playoffs, I do believe in self-belief, kind of. And if the Raptors can, you know, maintain what they've done since the All-Star break, you know, finish three and two or whatever, finish with 50 wins, these are just numbers. They don't mean anything on their own. But I think it would increase the self-belief this team has in itself uh, because you can't have self-belief in something that isn't yourself. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know about all this self-belief stuff, but I guess I have to believe in it since I definitely believe in the opposite of self-belief. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, yeah, I don't believe it's like momentum. As we learned last year, momentum goes as long as the first quarter to the next game, you know? Like, the Raptors thought they had the Pacers figured out after winning Game 3, and they got run off the floor in Game 4. So, and then for most of Game 5 before the fourth quarter happened. Shout out to Frank Vogel. Yeah, as always. Uh, So, uh, I just think, like, I'm talking about self-belief as something you could sort of bank, you know? Like, maybe it's there in crisis times. It doesn't mean you're going to come out in in Game 1 and kill the team you're playing because the Raptors are going to lose game one. But At uh, 12.30 on Saturday. Yeah, unless somebody pointed out the Leafs need to be at home for Hockey Night in Canada. Um, or be be play, or I guess that game could be on the road, too. Anyway. It'll almost definitely – well, yeah, at that point. They could, anyway. they could be the two-seed uh, in the – what's it called? The Atlantic Division? I think it only I think only the seeding matters for the top team in each division. I'm not 100% sure. No, no, I th- I think anyway, let's not spend yeah. it's a whole hockey podcast on the athletic with uh David Alter and uh Josh Cloakey, I believe. Am I yeah. right on that? Um that you can listen to for explanations of seeding. Um but I believe if they finished second in their division, they would start at home. Uh cool. that's my understanding of it. And that could I mean the Raptors and the Leafs, in all probability, are both going to be play- in the playoffs at the same time. The Jays are starting, you know, 
It's a TFC is underway. Yeah, but the Jays are 0 1. Fire Gibbons. Why didn't you bunt? Um, you know. All that stuff. Fold up shop on the on the Jays already. Yeah. By the yeah. way, the Athletic Toronto also has a Blue Jays podcast, the Fifth Deck podcast, which you can subscribe to on iTunes. That comes out every Thursday. I hear the host is uh, so-so, though. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what can you do, though? Good, uh, good cast of guests rotating through. You you look at the quality of baseball, written baseball content at the, at the Athletic. It's, uh, it's tough for me to mess it up too much on the podcast. Oh, you're the host. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Good jokes, Eric. Yeah, thank you. Good banter. Banter, as Tracy Jordan once said on 30 Rock after, I believe, <laughs> being either, like, sexually explicit or just racist. It's uh, hard to remember which one he was since he he veered so frequently. What is going on? Um, Justin Smoke and Eric Carlson exchanged jerseys today. Let's just get way off the basketball. What is what is the Raptors equivalent of Justin Smokes trading jerseys with someone? Um, like, did Jason Thompson give a TFC guy a jersey last year at any point or something? <laughs> um, that's except Justin Smokes a long term piece of the Jazz. Sure. <laughs> sure. Doesn't get the opening day start, you know. Well, that's why you... Anyway, I don't... I look forward to coming on the baseball podcast when nobody else will do it and just being totally unreasonable. Well, you know how smart John Lott is. He won't talk to me on the podcast, so... Um, you know, when Israel Fair and Stacey May Fowles can't do it, you're more than welcome. All right, I'll just I'll just yell. Uh, just, oh, man. Watching that... We're going way over, uh, but... Baseball is stressful. Yeah. It's good to have it back, though. Yeah, it's nice. Um, the the sad part is is that, realistically, I mean, I love baseball, and I will watch it every chance I get. But until the Raptors are done, you know, you're not you're not getting a ton, of, a ton of baseball, and at least not live at the Rogers Center. Last year, I didn't get to a game until the last two years. I've gone to over 20 games each season. I didn't get to either until the Raptors were eliminated from the playoffs, so... Um, you know, hopefully that's a thing that doesn't happen until June this year. Late June. I'll gladly delay going to Blue Jays games to see the Raptors make a deep run. Uh, we won't know whether they're going to make a deep run. Obviously, we're not going to know until it happens or doesn't happen. Uh, but we won't have an idea of the ceiling until the Raptors get Kyle Lowry back. Uh, hopefully, the next time we talk to you, next week on the Raptors Reasonless Podcast, Kyle Lowry has played in some games, and we have that to talk about. Uh, Eric, any parting shots before we let the people go until that time? Uh, with Lowry probably maybe likely coming back, enjoy DeLon Wright because he's been fun. Yeah, DeLon Wright's been great. Uh, probably not in the playoff rotation. By the way, uh, DeLon Wright at Jace. Norman Powell has not run with the opportunity to lock down a playoff spot, uh, playoff rotation spot. Yeah, he hasn't been good. He is the ninth man and like possibly, depending on the matchup and how much they can get away with two guards, possibly teetering on 10th. Yeah. He's forcing it. Figure it out, Norm. He's forcing it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eric, thanks so much, man. Block A. I will uh, speak with you next week. All right. I'll see you before then. I'll see you Friday. I know, but people don't have to know that we talk outside of this podcast. That's true. I think it's, I think it's clear that we only talk begrudgingly. Yeah. 
All right, um, man. Riverdale was trash this week, by the way. Yeah, we don't have time to talk about it. It was not a good episode. Um, yeah. Here's the thing: if you're trying to be, if you're trying to be conspicuous, uh, going into a bar, don't wear your Letterman jacket. <laughs> I don't even. That wasn't even one of the things I had picked up on. Uh, but yeah, there are four teens huddled outside the Serpents Bar, and one of them, who is a member of the Serpents, says, "All right, everyone, be cool." And Archie proceeds to wear his Letterman jacket into the bar and immediately start a fight. I also like how they just brought Archie's son and girlfriend from Josie and the Pussycats and can't remember her name. Val. It's Val. Val. Uh, They just brought her in for one scene to, like, uh, warn Archie not to do it. As if there hadn't been enough people warning Archie not to do it. Like, you had Jughead. Thanks for having my back, Jug. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had all these people telling him not to get involved. And then you needed, like, a 10-second conversation to remind you that Val is a thing and just for him to blow her off. It's just, ugh, it's bad writing. It's bad character development. Could be worse, though, Eric. Yeah, yeah, it could be worse, but... Glad things aren't worse. (laughs) Ugh, anyway, fine. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, Derek. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. If only to be a reasonable man.